Hello and welcome to the 34th, I think. 30 something? It's fine. It's fine! <laughs> we <laughs> know what we're doing. How many? We are, which we're recording at Res. Uh, the echoey chasm of the NEC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they kicked us out of the press line, so we're just putting in the middle of nowhere. You might hear some background Wait, noise. What is this place? It's like a it's in a Jimmy Spices, which is <laughs> a world cuisine restaurant. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no. It's a slightly dodgy all-you-can-eat restaurant. Um, okay. I'm Tom Hatfield. With me, I've got Philip War. Hello. And we're joined by Alan Williamson from uh, Editor of 5 Out of 10 and Critical Distance. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so, uh, what has everyone played at Res today? Mm. Well, I've been... Well, I've been following the game jams today, so uh-huh. I've, that's what I've mostly been doing. Which is really interesting. They had eight hours to make a game from. They got the team at ten o'clock and finished an hour ago. How um, was it? Like, what did you see? I was following one of the teams called uh, Brain Cartridge. They called themselves Brain Cartridge. <laughs> yeah. How does, how does that even work? Well, you blow on it to make it work. <laughs> Fair enough. But, um, that yeah. didn't really work on any level. That's fine. No, let's just just, just accept move on. it. Like, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, skate on, skate on. Nothing to see. <laughs> but yeah, they um, they met for the first time this morning, which was really cool. Because um, I asked for the, I asked if they had any teams that didn't know each other and were just you know because I thought that was the kind of the game jam experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was really interesting. I'll be writing something about that for PC Game in the future. But. I don't know if they've won yet. Uh, oh, <laughs> who's won? Okay. That's going to be decided tomorrow. So you might have backed the wrong horse so, then. Okay. Yeah. Well, by the time people hear us, they'll, we will know, and I'll put like a link to the judging, so you'll be able to see the, the like, presentation of the game that I was watching. What's your, what what's your gut feeling? Game? I think they're in with a pretty good chance. I mean, they made a solid game. They were, they were actually finished with a bit of time to spare. What was their unusual. game? Um, it's called Midas. Uh, the theme was Touch, we got given. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone has actually done a touchscreen game because no one brought a touchscreen with them. <laughs> um, so he decided to do the Midas Touch, and it's just a fairly basic platformer based around the idea of colliding with things and turning them into gold coins, and then you can use the coins to um, like fill up a spike pit so you can cross over it, drop blocks down, things like that, and just basic physics platforming. So based around that idea. Okay. I suppose you're quite limited in what you can actually do in a game jam because you can't be like, oh yeah, well, why don't we do this game about not being able to hold your kids whenever you've gone home and your family have been away because it's like somewhat outside the scope of an eight-hour jam. Yeah, so. exactly. You, you basically got to put <laughs> with that attitude. Not, yeah. Not well, okay. Not that I know the dev process of gone home, but I imagine it took longer than eight hours. Yeah. Steve will have to tell us. Well, <laughs> he was just yeah. like, it was eight hours done, and down the pub yeah. for like a few just, months. We just, we just winged it, really. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah. You tend to just go for like one novel mechanic and then run with it, and if you pile more on, you're probably overcomplicating things. So they went for like the Scrooge McDuck mechanic. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Nice. And it was it was pretty interesting. We had um, there were people involved who were uh, sort of uh, was uh, Alex, uh, Adrian. David and uh, James uh, so it was two programmers a 3D artist and a 2D artist and it was really interesting seeing people just like just seeing someone just say like okay we need a background for this scene and just leave the 2D artist to paint this whole really awesome looking scene and then just shove it in <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and yeah so it was uh, really cool seeing that they it was faster than I thought it was. I don't, I don't know if that's always how it works, but you know, they basically came up with the idea within 15 minutes. They had, um, they had a, a basic like version working where the guy would jump and turn things into gold coins with 
the assets for like the backgrounds, the character, and the coins. That was all done within like two hours. Uh, and a lot of the rest of it was spent just making levels. So, what were they working in? Like, what was the uh, Unity? Okay. A Unity 3DS Max and Photoshop, basically. I think it. it's one of these things where game developers don't really like game jams because it makes them look like they're real slackers. It's like, well, if you can make a game in eight hours, yeah. why do you need a two-month extension? <laughs> well, it's a game. It's also much. It's going to be judged based on a five-minute presentation. So, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> There's only four levels. So basically, you could just spend eight hours making a PowerPoint, right? <laughs> of the game that you could probably have yeah. made. It would probably not work very well. <laughs> Code a game in PowerPoint. People we do in Carta Mind Maze in eight hours. Yeah. Well, I remember ages ago when PC Gamer did like a how to make a ge- uh, like um, I guess it was a, technically a game jam where they sent a bunch of writers and told them you've got to make a game by the end of the day and we did it in like three different ways um, I think one of them made a text adventure none of them really knew how to code it. one of them made a text adventure one of them made a game in Gary's Mod and <laughs> Craig Pearson made a huge made like a uh, an adventure game in Flickr just what? By putting, I think it was a flick by putting links on different photographs oh, <laughs> yeah. that's cool yeah so um, it's kind of like twine but before twine yeah <laughs> um, unfortunately I don't, I don't think that's on the internet but if it is I'll try and dig it out how is it not on the internet if it was based on like, yeah it was, it was born on the internet well actually no that, that will be if I can find it but I don't know if the article they oh, wrote about I see. it um, <laughs> I think he sent like he'd somehow managed to offline yeah. flicker no. <laughs> I was like well well done Craig um, yeah so there was that there was Far Cry the Text Adventure mm. um, I can't remember who did that uh, and uh, Tom Francis had a game in uh, Gary's Mod about things falling in yeah I think that was I think that might have been Owen yeah. and um obviously did CS story later on uh, which I think is when he first got the idea to start playing around with Game Maker and eventually made Gunpoint from uh, a game about things objects falling on people's heads in Gary's Mod <laughs> so there you go Game Jam's work I, it was really inspiring actually just how well they did and it made me want to learn some skill of any kind and then told myself <laughs> well yeah, come on don't sell yourself short some game related skill you know? yeah. Yeah. Down, man. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think most people would like people someone entering just as writer, but because I can't draw, I can't make music, I can't code. Games writing is a profession, you know. It is, but I don't think people would probably pay that much attention to it. It's not a gems. skill, but it is a profession. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sick burn! Well, I'm a writer. I'm just, it's self-deprecating. It's not a burn. Anyway, sorry, I've just monopolised that with because I thought it was really interesting. But uh, what have you guys seen? Um, well, I actually wasn't here for Res. I came to audition for the X Factor. Um, oh, unfortunately, it's yes, it is. It's happening in the same building, and it, it's so weird seeing all these like nerds in Final Fantasy cosplay. Uh, along oh, with they're the, here for a different. There's a cosplay convention as well. What? Yeah. Also, um, just midway through the afternoon, I went to a doll's house convention. They think there's something about um, building houses as well. There's yeah, a lot of like the NEC is ridiculous. But yeah, like so basically, I spent family. an hour of today in a room with lots and lots of tiny food. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. I pretended I was a giant. Well, long story short, um, Simon and the gang were not interested to hear my whistling rendition of the Sonic the Hedgehog thing, and so I decided to go to Rest instead, which luckily I had a press pass for. Uh, so it all worked out okay. But now I've uh, had a very underwhelming day. Yeah. Really? And yeah, well, what did I play? Um, I did some of the left field collection ones, and I played this game Narcissus, which is some kind of strange two-player cannibal type thing. Yeah, I wasn't really sure... Why it was two player? Because hmm. we didn't seem to be interacting with each other. I played um, Pohokum for the PS4, hmm. which was just lovely. We get to hmm. play as like a magic ribbon snake. And 
Why didn't they call it Magic Ribbon Snake? I don't know. That's, that's probably what Hohoka means in Japanese. Yeah. But, um, I like the idea of Narcissus being two-player as well, simply because, like, surely Narcissus was, you know, the, the person yeah. most obsessed with themselves. Like, I guess, I mean, like surely, like, if there was going to be a single-player game, I like guess if that, you were playing a two-player, if you're it. playing a two-player game by yourself, it probably does count as being narcissistic, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, it's like, yeah, this <laughs> should be a single player game which you Twitch stream to yourself. But no, I got, yeah, I got, I got here quite late and the alien isolation queue is like an hour long, so mm-hmm. instead I just went around bagging street passes for personal <laughs> glory and uh, we'll be back tomorrow to, to tackle alien. But it's, it's interesting because I've never actually been to Res before and I've been to like Eurogamer X, which is obviously much bigger, louder and smellier. And so going to this one, it does seem like a kind of bite-sized Eurogamer, but it made me think about like you can understand the value of an indie game expo mm. but I don't know if such a thing really is necessary anymore because you've got things like Steam Early Access mm. and loads of different game jams and storefronts and you get more and more indies into like the Playstation and Xbox stores and it made me wonder like whether they need the visibility as much anymore because quite a lot of the games there well, it's not really an indie show anymore. You've got, like, you know, Infamous out for the PS4 and things. But yeah. actually, like, quite a lot of the games on display are already out. Mm. Yeah. Or, like, you know, so, yeah, in the Leftfield collection, you've also got stuff like Space Engineers, and I've been playing that for quite a while. Yeah. So quite a few people I know have been it's sort of fiddling yeah. around with that. So. I think it is a little bit more, a little bit less indie, but if such a term exists from... Are you, saying, are you saying Res has sold out to, <laughs> to, the, to the big label? Of, I think they were literally sold out to Sega, because yeah. they spo- did stuff like sponsoring the Game Jam and yeah. such like, which is why they're the only... Other than, other than Infamous, which is here after Sony brought a lot... Because Sony brought loads of indie games and Infamous. Um, and, but yeah, Sega are the only play company really represented. I mean, like Fez is here for Christ's mm. sake. Like you know that, that game has been going on for years. It's like the ghost of Expo's past. <laughs> it, just, it just seems to be released in everything. They're like because that's here is next. It's new on PS4. Yeah, yeah, and same with the, you know um, a few other things. Yeah. Like yeah, it, it is weird. There's, there's like a combination. Oh, like the Swapper as well. Like, yeah, yeah, which is going PC for a while. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's here and there's a few things that are sort of. It's a strange combination of games that are already out and games that have been made in like the last two months. Because there's a bunch of stuff in the Left Field collection that were just like, oh yeah, we've been working on this for about eight weeks. And <laughs> I thought the, the strangest thing was that the biggest queue by far was for the Oggscast signing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and everybody here seems to love the Oggscast. It's like, Oggscast bangs. And this is probably going to sound really jealous in this other part, but damn those, damn those Oggscast. <laughs> Charismatic bastards. <laughs> but it was really cool seeing like people being really enthusiastic though, like because you know, sort of mm. you, you do sort of wander around in a sort of slightly like oversaturated, slightly misanthropic haze sometimes when you come to like an event, and then mm. to sort of like what I quite like is um, standing near people who are genuinely enthusiastic about the thing that they're queuing for and, and that's yeah, lovely because yeah. it sort of rubs yeah. off on you a bit and you can kind of go back to things going oh no no this is the you know like I don't I don't hate everything and everyone and then I don't need a coffee really really badly <laughs> there was, it was really nice actually sitting with the game jam people because the thing that makes this one different apart from eight hours being a really low time frame is that it's right in the middle of the show floor yeah so yes like, they're completely exposed yeah so and people just wander, wander past the start chatting with the people who are um, developing um, and lo- lots of kids did as well lots of kids would just stop by and ask what was going on and learn about what game jams are which is fantastic cool. mm. well, I guess like if 
it's kind of an inspirational thing. Mm. Apart from you, who are gonna go back look at the recorder you couldn't play in primary school and feel sorry for yeah. yourself. But like, if you did, you know, if you did want to get into that kind of thing, you're like, wow, if these guys can do it in eight hours, yeah. surely it'll only take me eight hours to make a game. <laughs> and then two years later, they'll look back on this day as uh, the one that ruined their life. Did Did you guys see uh, Gang Beasts? I saw the queue for Gang, or like I saw the crowd, yeah, I saw around, the crowd it. Like around it. I've wanted to play it for ages, and like uh, some of my friends have it, so it's a matter of like getting over to their house and you know like finding mm. a free evening so we can all just settle down. It looks great, and I really, really mm. want to play it, but like there was just there was a crowd, and it was like okay, yeah, I, should, was, I should go see. There was one, there was one guy hogging hogging the gang beasts, but he seemed like <laughs> oh, really? a, he was a real pro. It's, uh, it's basically a, a jelly baby wrestling game, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you can like throw people into gears and burn them and that kind of stuff. But what's really cool is this is hold mechanic and so what happens is that people are trying to fling each other off things mm. but then the other guy will then hang on for dear life <laughs> and then you'll just see some poor person hanging off like a window washing uh, <laughs> platform yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah I, I've heard really good things about it but I've, I guess I've generally prioritised games that I Ha- that aren't out or that I haven't heard of. So it's already out because I'd never heard of it before today. I think, well, I know. You can pick it up. Yeah. Um, is it, like, is it in early access or something? I can't remember if I'm honest, but like, yeah, like, I, I know that I have access to it. <laughs> so it, some somehow there is a, a means to play it mm. that, that there is. Because <laughs> there's a massive queue for Titanfall as well. Well, that yeah. was weird because I was like, don't you. Is, yeah, exactly, yeah. I th- yeah. Well, I think both <laughs> Titanfall and Hearthstone were having tournaments. Um, it was Titanfall. Like I know Hearthstone was because that was really yeah. interesting. Like because I was talking to some people about you know the tactics that they were going to employ and then sort of watching how that played out and stuff like that. That was mm. that was quite cool. But like watching over their shoulders, they like some of them were so fast. I was just like, oh, I'm at Hearthstone know, or Titanfall. Uh, Hearthstone. Oh, okay. But yeah, and then um, but some of them like so there was uh, towards the end there was one guy who was like playing and just you know doing his own thing and um, but on the other side the guy who was his opponent had like two friends peering over his shoulder so like every now and again they'd stop and have like a proper like conference about what he should like do next and so I was like oh, okay well you're kind of playing like this he's like uh, Jeremy Pax from that no you may not confer <laughs> yeah yeah it's a bit yeah. cheating having a whole team of coaches there <laughs> somebody wrapping a warm tile around their neck in between rounds like yeah, yeah. So like, kind of, you can do this like a pep talk, you know. <laughs> Great, but yeah, and, and so quite a lot of the ma- matches were mage versus mage because you know the mage deck has a kind of reputation for being sort of mm, maybe overpowered, maybe just you know easier to get to grips with or easier mm. to use the you know the basic cards or whatever. Um, but then um, the those guy who was playing as a hunter and that was you know just really interesting to sort of watch that unfold, you know, because you'd just be sat there and you'd be like, okay, make this, make match, okay. Fine. Is there any drama then? Because it's quite, I always like watching the kind of fighting game tournaments and things where people get really angry at each other and you can hear the crowd roaring as they <laughs> take over a bit. Was there, like, was there any kind of so spectacle to it? There was in the way of, like, sort of audience involvement beyond the fact that quite a lot of people were obviously there and had friends, you know, stood behind them, like, watching or getting involved yeah. or, you know, people who'd been knocked out of that particular round of the tournament were sort of sat there, like, going, oh, we shouldn't have done that. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, so that yeah. was quite sweet, sort of, like, eavesdropping on those and going, oh, but maybe if you... So you know, and then the, there would be like a collective wince as oh, somebody okay. like Someone played the up. wrong thing. But like it was mostly, you know, there were maybe four people watching, you know, a particular match or mm. stuff like that. I, I don't know whether it would have had more towards the end or whether tomorrow, like the Sunday, will have more. So, that was a, so it's a two-day tournament. It's then? sort of ongoing. I think, like you know, they're they're having it, it's. 
it's not like an overarching thing because you know like obviously some people are, are just here for the one day or whatever but mm. um, yeah it's it's been kind of interesting just to sort of watch people playing a game that I play but sort of seeing them do it very differently or mm. sort of having clearly obsessively you know yeah. talked about it and like you know having somebody who is clearly about 15 years younger than me towering over me and telling me about Manica I was like hello <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though for the devs as well because a lot of them are on the floor and they're running Guardiaxix products like I was talking to Simon Roth who's developing Maya yeah. and he, you know, he's th- saying that this is brilliant because he gets to he basically gets QA testers in yeah. and he can see people that don't quite understand what's going on so as soon as he set up the stall he already knows how he's going to have to change the UI and change the tutorial text so it's like I guess that's yeah. one really good benefit of the show is they get some instant feedback without having to outsource that to somebody. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, a few people have been sort of doing that or you know talking about the benefits of that, which has been really. There cool. are quite a few people showing their stuff for the first time ever as well, including like. Um, do you see a biome? Yeah, I saw them going out. Well. We don't, we don't want to call it a game, we don't want to call it a not game, we don't want to get into that kind of political <laughs> stuff, you know, it's just, hey, I, I, it's just, it, it just it is. A cupcake or <laughs> something, you know, um, like, what, what could we, many what could things. we do there? I'm putting <laughs> a diorama, a zen garden. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that, presentation. <laughs> so I'm sure a, a hack game journal like myself would probably call it some kind of unique experience or something like that. <laughs> no, I mean, and, I, I and just, just to, you yeah. know, have a different word instead of game to break <laughs> up your, your essay a bit. <laughs> It, it I, mean, I can understand them like wanting to try and just just not get those yeah. people angry at them. This is yes, better just not to involve those people at all. <laughs> Anybody is like, yeah, is this a game? Is this not a game? Who cares? Just play and go away. Keep going. Yeah, it actually, no, I was, I was, I, felt I was talking to about it and I was saying like, so um, people have been saying, oh, well, you're gonna like put it on Steam Early Access, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't know how people will respond to that. I don't know if I'll get tagged as not a game. The official tag of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> You're listening it's to sound not like a game. an endorsement from us. Yeah. When well, they're mostly good games. <laughs> yeah, we'd be fine with that. Brilliant, excellent, <laughs> great branding on our complete accident. But, but Biome reminded me a bit of. Uh, do you remember um, Wetrix? I don't know. Okay, so Wetrix was this really weird Nintendo 64 isometric puzzle game, mm. and the whole idea of the game is to build lakes, and mm. then you got rubber ducks to go and live in the lakes. Now, that's pretty much all I know about that game, but that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> I watched the video on YouTube once and it seemed quite cool. I should probably explain a bit more about what Bio is. It's, you get this sort of little sort of cutaway slice of land and then you can manipulate it by like... Um, I didn't understand the control scheme at first. Um, but, uh, the way it was explained essentially is that you sort of you click on things to sort of reinforce them. So if you click on a mountain, it grows taller. You click on water, the water level rises. And you can manipulate like this section from... like lush Greenland to desert to underwater to ice age to lava um, I don't know how I made the lava happen but I did once <laughs> just kept, ruined click, that just kept clicking on the mountain until <laughs> yeah. it exploded in sheer emphasis <laughs> and it's just yeah it's, it's just there to be a cool thing I guess um, and it's, a, it's a digital toy yeah it's, they, um, it's pretentious yeah. but you know it's still a word isn't it? <laughs> yeah they were talking um, in the moment it's again that's like um, that's really interesting because they were showing it for the first time and it's obviously something that is really weird and not everyone will react to um, but actually it sounds really interesting what they're going to do it sounds like it's got a lot of potential at the moment I didn't feel like I was doing much with it but they're apparently going to add like more like flora and fauna that spring up depending on what you do so if you make things like if you get if you create like a 
sort of Arctic world, you might get polar bears, and when you change it to a forest, and they change to grizzly bears and stuff like that. that sounds brilliant already. <laughs> um, I thought the play area was quite small, though. Mm. It was like a, it was like a bonsai biome. Like it was really, there wasn't really much you could do. It was a very small, contained mm. field. I, yeah, it was right in the centre of the screen with a load of space around yeah. it, which I think. Um, they were talking about that they felt a bit that they about wanted to focus it in but that I'm not so sure about I think maybe it should be bigger and there should be a bit more of an opportunity to manipulate the camera because I can see someone like Duncan Paris and Dead, Dead End Thrills like using it to just create a whole world and then take a really cool screenshot yeah um, because that's like, that is a whole thing in games really that is not supported by the games themselves it's a whole like community thing that's sprung up is this not just because it's sort of early on or, you know... Yeah, like yeah, it might just be because it's early on. ...demo or, you know, mm. just a sort of slice mm. that shows you what you can expect, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. It's just that it's, it's just it's very small in the centre of the screen. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that, I'd like, that I'd like to see change, but... Yeah, it's it's one of those ones that it's just interesting and I would... I'll be interested to see where it develops. You don't really know where it's going to go with that. If it's if it's just don't think they know either. Yeah. That, that's okay. Yeah, you know, not everybody knows what they want to be when they grow up. Never mind the video game. But um, yeah, I guess, guess like I'm sure a lot of these things just start off as fun experiments and what ifs, mm. and then they can decide whether they want to yeah. game it up from there or not a game it up from there <laughs> or whatever they want to do. Um, do you guys see Private Eye? What, no, the, the, that was in the, the, the magazine. Thing, <laughs> the the one, the Oculus thing. Yeah, it's the Oculus thing in the left um, field collection. I saw it. I didn't. Yeah. See it. A squeeze. Because <laughs> <laughs> you saw it, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't Oculus it. You didn't enter the rift. <laughs> I didn't. I think like. I don't deal massively well with being in a dark room and not having enough caffeine. So <laughs> I think if you'd added like virtual reality, that mm. might have tipped me over, and, and I would be sort of mm. curled up in a ball in a corner somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I found it quite interesting. It was um, it's something that was I think the original demo was made for a VR jam, um, and it was basically a like rear window game where you okay. um, you, you play this uh, detective in a wheelchair who's looking through binoculars piecing together crimes from looking at his neighbours and they're trying to take it forward and to make it into a whole game because it was so well received and the section they have here was less about the binoculars and trying to do more things with like investigation and things like that mm. but keeping this idea of you being in a wheelchair which works quite well I think because mm. you've got, uh, because the, the problem with the Oculus Rift is in, in general first person games is it feels weird to be looking around naturally but moving around with a stick yeah, yeah um, so you know, things that fix you in one place, like in a spaceship or a car, tend to do quite well. Or a wheelchair. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, it could be interesting in terms of using just using looking at things as the central mechanic, not just strapping the rift stuff onto something else. Thinking, what is this good at? Looking at things. That's like an entire Half game out. Rift or whatever, looking yeah. at things and piecing it all together. Well, um, nosy neighbours and peeping Tom. Yeah. Um, being a wheelchair user doesn't constrain your movement you know sort of yeah. I mean I, think I mean you, you know what I mean like it's there is a uh, like you know if you're using binoculars to look out of the window you could just be doing that with, anyway with your regular oh, yeah. eyes with your, but yeah. I mean it could but, be I mean, good as a kind of 
oh, yeah. empathetic tool. Like, because yeah. I mean, there's, there's times like I've been out with my friends. Like when I go back to Edinburgh, I've got a friend who's got cerebral palsy and is in a wheelchair, mm. and he's always like, "Oh, make sure you pick a wheelchair venue." And how many times have you ever thought about that? Mm. If you go into a bar, even if, you know, even walking up two or three steps requires wheelchair access. So it might be good for people like think, "Oh, that's actually really difficult being in a wheelchair." Mm. Maybe it should be nicer to wheelchair users. You know, if you're going to put people into the shoes of difference, which you know, yeah. virtual reality is going to be good at. Yeah. Well, there's a, f- a few things Different like that. Anyway, shoes. there's um, an art uh, project that is to do with putting you in into other people's bodies and, and you can kind of uh, design different experiences based around mm. that and sort of try and express something of yourself mm. to other people and sort of they've used it to sort of swap genders or to, you know, uh, give people experiences of, you know, other... Like, I think there was a dance-based one as well and, you know, just that kind of... Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Um, but v- VR can make other. me dance. Maybe this Facebook <laughs> thing is going to be worthwhile after all. It's that, yeah, it's that kind of, like, communicating an experience mm. of, of something that you... Yeah, in, in yeah, so other the, methods so, or so other So you're embodying something else you could never hope to do. Mm. Literally embodying or not yeah. literally. Well, you know what I mean. Virtually embodying. Virtually yeah. embodying. No, no, no. There is embodying going on. Literally embodying. I've turned into a book. I don't like this game at all. Oh, God. <laughs> My vocabulary is just out of the window at this point. That's Fine. A, that, that's the right way. We're all out last night. We had a couple of drinks. And everybody's very tired. Yeah. So it's okay. It's okay. Also, because also the nice thing about being here is because it's in the left field collection, as opposed to having its own stand, it doesn't have a massive queue like the other two Oculus Rift yeah. do. Oh. So I, I think I queued a Eurogamer last year to play Strikes at Zero, mm. oh, yeah. and the only thing worse than queuing for an hour to play an Oculus Rift game is queuing for an hour to play a really bad <laughs> Oculus Rift game. <laughs> but, uh, um, I played Ether One on the Oculus here last year. In fact, um, that was quite interesting. What is Ether One? Because I don't know. It's kind of a walk around. It's kind of a, you know, first-person meanderer or whatever they're calling it. Oh, sort of, you know, first-person walk around puzzle game. Okay. Uh, you know, fairly light on the puzzling, but um, and it's all about exploring someone's memories um, or someone's mind via walking through Cornish landscapes. It's yeah, it's, it's kind of strange, but it's. Is it basically Dear Esther? I haven't actually played Dear Esther. Oh, okay. You but haven't played Dear Esther. I haven't, I that's know. The, that is the not a game. Yeah, that's I That's the quintessential... I think I've played it about four times. Maybe I've used up game. your allowance. <laughs> but it's, um... <laughs> it's got a specific sci-fi trapping. That's how this works, Damn these right? game tokens. a number of plays of anything. Yeah. Why did they introduce this yeah. arcade-type system for PC games? Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, um... <laughs> it's a... Well, it's, it's a bit more, like, explicitly... Sci-fi, you, know, you actually are, you know, someone going into someone's mind in a sort of inception fashion. So it's a memories. bit Assassin's Creedy kind of thing going <laughs> not, on. Not quite like that, but uh, they um, and they have memories yeah. that relate to this Cornish town and strange stuff going on. It's it's a very nice setting. This is setting. about dementia, isn't it? And yeah. Sort of, it's set slightly it's, in the future where that is a a thing that you can cure by having somebody who goes into your mind and, and mm. repair things and it's I think that dementia is a, a thing that we keep coming back to in terms of, of games and sort mm. of repairing people's memories and it's that sort of I- extreme wish fulfillment because it's it's such a terrifying thing mm. to lose your identity and to lose your sense of self and 
was it did it handle it in an interesting way or is well, it just a kind of mm. that that's the excuse for what you do in the game if, if that makes sense like it's not yeah. necessarily an Collect exploration these five red letters that I remembered <laughs> in the Cornish there were ribbons actually but yes oh uh, come on man <laughs> I've uh, yeah, I've got uh, I got given a uh, press ball of it and I've only played the very beginning so far um, I don't know is the answer there's there's something interesting going on in story terms in that there's a sort of um, conflict between the person who's supposed to be like your handler who's giving you instructions and the woman whose head you're actually in. But I don't know where that's going at the moment. Um, so you don't know if you've got like a personal connection to the person whose memories you're trying to repair or anything like that? Or? I don't think I have, but it's possible those two have. Okay. Uh, those two other characters. But... Um, I don't know, it's, so I, I can't really speak to that, but it is interesting, it's got a lovely, this lovely sort of landscape painting look mm. to it, and you explore some really interesting locations, which are all of which are strangely empty, um, so yeah, it's got, Dear it's got ether. an feel to, yeah, it's got an odd feel to it. Um, nice, do you want a high five for yeah. that one? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> excellent. And, uh, <laughs> made a pleasing noise. Yeah. <laughs> The puzzling seems surprise, um, more complicated than I first expected, and you've got this whole, this cool thing where you have like a little hub place called, uh, which is a um, a little virtual construct or whatever that you you can you immediately like go in and out of. Um, so, so you can like collecting like, collecting little objects from one location and storing them in there, and then bringing them back somewhere else. It's all very strange and complicated, but. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I haven't gotten far enough to say whether it's good or not, but it's certainly one of the best-looking game any games seen for a while. That's nice. Mm. Okay. I um I sort of ended up doing the sort of other end of the spectrum in that I spent a lot of time, like I say, with the Hearthstone tournament, and mm. then um, one of the games that I really really enjoyed was um, the Alien Isolation uh, demo. Mm. Yeah, so, I played that yesterday. Mm. How many times did you die? Um, just the once. Uh, okay, same. <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently the average was about three, like mm. the guy was telling me. So, yeah. Mm. Seems pretty reasonable given the film. There's about six or seven deaths <laughs> a million, so three's, three's pretty good. Yeah. But, yeah. <coughs> well, it's only about, it's only about half hour demo. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, but that was that was just really good. Like, it, it felt so mm. polished and so, you know, I, I was properly scared at points. So, you mm. know, like, I could feel myself jump and then have to look around and go, is anyone watching that? Okay, Incredibly atmospheric as well. Like, um, <laughs> I love that some of the stuff they've done with the environments. Like, you're in this, I don't know if it's a ship or a space station, but they've done some really interesting things. Like, it's... Um, like having beams of light coming through the windows at different Ooh. points from I think the star you're orbiting and stuff like that. Is this a is this a you can't see the quotes I'm doing, but a next gen game? Or is this out for everything under the sun? That's a good question. I don't know if it's being released on the like three sixty or PS3. The ones they've got here are PC, PS4 and Xbox One. So all PC then, pretty yeah. much, probably. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I ended up playing the Xbox One version because <laughs> they, they were queuing separately for them and no one wanted to see if the Xbox One, so I was like, same game, I'll just skip ahead. Yeah, that's quite bad. But I, I, always thought it, I always thought Alien games were going to be like this intractable thing mm. that the developers never really seemed to get. Because I remember when mm. I got my, my Sega Saturn back in 97, you had <laughs> Alien Trilogy, and it was like, oh yeah, so yeah, you got to go to LV-426 and kill a lot of aliens. 
and then you gotta go to the prison planet there's a lot of aliens here also in need of being killed <laughs> then you will travel to the alien mothership and you're never gonna, you're never gonna guess what we're gonna kill in here and even like colonial marines and things like to me that was never a film about kind of the glorification of war and a kind of gung-ho yeah. thing it was always about the, the sheer helplessness of the situation and kind of yeah. and then you had you know Ripley as this lone gunwoman coming in and kind of saving the day because she was a really good hero it was never something you were going to make a really good first person shooter out of and so it's really cool that they've actually thought oh right well how can we make a, a good alien game about being scared and being vulnerable to, yeah and a lot of that is about taking it back to the first film and ignoring the second one to an extent um, they but, have when you um, when it introduces you to the game it's certainly in the demo it's basically you know it tells you that you cannot kill the alien it tells you you know you're oh, basically okay. so, how helpless you are mm. and you've only you know you've kind of only got this motion detector thing and, and the ability to hide so it's just you one it's just one alien then yeah. yeah you can hide under a desk or you can hide in a locker or you could you know that kind of stuff mm. and then you know uh, you can uh, crouch and move around mm. slightly more stealthily or you can like run like mm. hell you know but the idea, so, from what they've said, um, though it's hard to tell in the half-hour demo, is that it's all really systemic, so the alien has really complex AI that will hunt you. So, um, yeah, it's not like a case of just waiting for it to follow particular prescripted pathways. It's, uh, it's very okay. much a case of, oh, crap, you where is it you now? You haven't <laughs> a bit then? Mm. So, yeah, there's a certain amount of... Huh. That's that's the reason that I died that first time was um, so I was basically in um, a lab and I was uh, I'd done so like I'd crouched so I couldn't quite pick up a pipe that was on the desk and like I thought oh god I probably need that to like do something you know to, to I need the thing mortally win but not kill the alien <laughs> well exactly well, I was just, you know like I don't know I've I've got a pipe uh, you know <laughs> hi do you fetch I don't know I've played games before <laughs> just swing away exactly. but um so I was kind of like okay well maybe that will come in useful as it goes I you know mm. there isn't crafting in the in the demo but fine um I assume later but um so yeah and and I like I'd watched it leave the room before I had gone to sort of go okay fine what can I do but it had bloody come back and I was like god damn that's not how like AI like you know how guards usually do yeah. stuff they're meant, to, they're meant to just walk around and go oh exactly what was that like it left it left the room it wasn't supposed to double bloody back and then kill me Hold on a <laughs> so yeah that was the point where I was like oh crap it basically it felt like an alien version of the kitchen scene from Jurassic Park. Oh, <laughs> the raptors. Yeah, so I was kind of like, oh, god damn, I'm going to do something that knocks over a bunch of ladles and then I'm going to die. <laughs> so. but it, must be a, it must be a really fascinating game to work on because it's like, mm. whenever you think about Alien in terms of the kind of film it is and the kind of creature it is, it's really just a slasher movie mm. and the Alien's not much different from like Michael Myers in Halloween. Mm. It kind of turns up and part of the, the horror of that is the fact that it's totally unrealistic. Like, you know, Michael Myers gets killed about six times in the first Halloween, but he always comes back much faster than you'd expect, and that's what's so scary, because it's superhuman. Likewise, the alien's about ten feet tall, and, it, you know, it doesn't have the same limits as humans. So it must be really interesting to think, how can we make this plausible in terms of AI, but also to make it seem like a larger-than-life thing, something you're genuinely scared of? Because if you've got something based on, like, systemic AI, then... You only need to do. You only need to have like one bug, if you like, or one way to exploit the alien, like mm. you say, get yeah. it to fetch a pipe, and then the whole game's broken. And then also, how are you going to sustain that through like an eight to twelve-hour game mm. without you know going right? So now you have to hide from the alien. Uh, now you have to hide from the alien. That's the big question. Yeah. And then, and that's like it might be a great half-hour yeah. demo that 
doesn't necessarily make into, into a long yeah. game. And what else they're going to put in, whether it's going to be all that, how long it's going to be, what other stuff they might include. I mean, there's there's a bit in the demo of sort of engineering work and stuff like that. Um, like a, a Bioshock <laughs> pipe puzzle or something? Nothing, no, not quite like that, just but to be honest, not much in the way of puzzling, but just in terms of like cutting through doors and that sort of stuff, because the idea is that your character is an engineer. Oh, okay, because um, you're, like you're, 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 you're Amanda, Amanda Ripley, yeah. isn't that it? Yeah. And there's, I, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was like the, um, you know, this, basically all you've got is your motion detector. When you put your motion detector up, the rest of everything like blurs, so you're very much sort ah, of like okay. focus, and it's that trade-off between, okay, I'm looking at this thing to see whether it's around me versus... I actually can yeah. see the things around me. In fact, um, I didn't realise this at first, but there on the control sheet it explains there's, you, like, you hold up your le- left trigger to look at the motion detector, mm. and you use your right one, you can like just, you sh- is, yeah, the right trigger when you've got that up just shifts the focus. So you, you can, can glance between the two? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. the, so the background comes into focus, but then you can't see the motion detector properly anymore, that's blurred out. Mm. Um, but there's, um, it says so a lot about the focus of the game, that right and left trigger and look at <laughs> <laughs> In space, no one can correct your vision. But so, yeah, there's stuff like that rather than, you know, like uh, lots of stats on the screen or anything yeah. like that. So that I really like that that uh, decision and also mm. the fact that um, I, I love the way she moves mm. through the space. Like when you're kind of crawling mm. under a table, it actually, you know, there is a, a, a sort of beautiful motion to They've it, really gone into really... like the physical feeling because like she breathes all the time. You can hear her heavily you can hear her heavily panting. Whenever, Humans yeah. have to do that, you know. Yeah. But then when you're in a locker, like the, do you think this is spoilers? Maybe skip on five minutes if you don't want to listen to spoilers, or if you're planning on playing the demo or whatever. But um, yeah, so there are points where you're in the locker and the alien kind of comes right up to it, and you can hear your own breathing, and you're like, "Is it gonna find me?" And then there's an option to like hold your breath and then back away from the front of the locker, like while wow. it's peering at Whoa. you. Sorry, I went completely away from the thing right there. Uh, that might have been quite faint. Never mind. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of uh, things like that. So within um, this sort of quite limited mm. skill set that you have, that it's, it's, I, I think it's really I hope it does the, implemented, yeah. and so that gives me confidence <laughs> that the rest of the mm. game will be Is it a bit like well Outlast, then? Have you played Outlast? No, I haven't. Well, I played five minutes of Outcast before, thinking... This is just way too scary. Well, the thing about us was it came out uh, at the same time as Amnesia Machine for Pigs, and yeah. I was playing that to review, and I was like, I'm playing one scary game and one scary game only. So, <laughs> yeah. no, I'll play that. It's, it's, good. it's got that same kind of physicality, and it forces you into narrow spaces, and it does stuff like you can actually see the character's hands. So if you lean around the corner, his hands pop up, or if you're walking down between, like... Two precariously balanced bookcases. It would no way be in that arrangement if it wasn't a video game. Yeah. Yeah. The cool thing about it is, it feels kind of like a AAA amnesia. Basically, they've taken all, all that stuff that the last few years people have been playing around with in with horror with first-person horror games is you know someone with enough money to design a giant to design a crazy complex AI alien is doing it. It's interesting. It's creative assembly as well. They're mm. normally known for like the like total war games and things. They're branching out of it. Yeah. I think it's yeah. They basically put together an entire new team to handle that. Mm. Team Alien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can do Alien Isolation Two, and then yeah, um, we'll have Aliens versus Predator Isolation. <laughs> <laughs> 
a couple of other things that I played that I enjoyed um, were uh, one is not a hero, which is kind of like a, that TV mm. cover yeah, shooter. Yeah, the Rule Seven one. Yeah, I really enjoyed that actually. Um, I it, you sort of pop in and out of covering and you shoot enemies and you know fulfill objectives and things like that. <laughs> but there's a cool thing where you can if you hold uh, the thing that makes you zip between cover. Z or something that you yeah, can slide. You can slide. Which is really cool. So once you've slid into an enemy, it knocks them over, and so you can just stand above them and execute them, which was uh, <laughs> kind of great. Um, and if you've run out of ammo, you stab them, mm. which is also good. Uh, <laughs> See, I struggle with that one because I, I don't know. I think it's because I haven't actually played that many games. I think it used to be an old-style control system of like arrow keys and ZX. Mm, yeah. yeah, it was weird going back to that after yeah. WASD. I, I, after a while, I was just like, just, just give me a pat. <laughs> well, that's what I said, and then um, yeah, one of my friends, who's a big PC gaming zealot, said, what, it's got exactly the same number of keys? I was like, yeah, but it's the feeling. Of it. <laughs> but no, the, yeah, I spoke to the guy who was the art director on it mm. and he sort of said oh what did you think again think it was really good and I was like no not really <laughs> and I did, it was purely because of the controls and I'd said like it was sold to me as a two dimensional vanquish which mm. I think is just a fantastic game where you're always sliding mm. on your knees in a jet pack and you're mm. going in slow motion whizzing in and out of corners and this to me felt very stoppy and sturdy so you were behind cover oh, and then whenever the guy slides on his knees he's got his gun out but he seems like he's got some you know finger lock and he's just unable to fire the gun mm. and things like that I think there's something, there's something fundamentally wrong with the controls. There needs to be an easier way to move in and out of cover, and that shouldn't be the same mechanism as sliding. Mm. But I think once they get that sorted out and it gets a bit more like fluidity to it, mm. then I would, I would enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, like I think I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, like the next build and stuff mm. like that for mm. sure. Um, and also, when I did sort of manage to change some things together, that was really pleasing. Um, but yeah, like some of it, you know, like the interface at the moment wasn't quite clear enough. Or, I think it's got know, a combo meter and everything in it, so... Interface, but yeah, mm. uh, yeah, and, and so sometimes it was quite hard to sort of see the power-ups that you had on your gun as well. Like, I yeah. suddenly was surprised that I had the exploding bullets, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I've kind of maybe just exploded myself as well. <laughs> Did you see the cat bomb? It's fine. No, I didn't. There's an explosive cat you can let loose that just rips apart the whole building. It's really quite fun. <laughs> the one that I really liked was there's a bullet that like has amazing force, so when it hits someone, it actually can propel them out of a window as well, <laughs> oh. so that was pretty great. Nice, nice. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. And also, I uh, was really interested in Concursion, which is the one that's like five different uh, types of game melanged together. It, it looks really mishmashy and unfinished. It looks like the early tech demos of Braid. It just seems like, uh, yeah, I, only, I haven't actually played it yet, I watched it, but it looked it very different. It was interesting to play, like, because uh, it sort of flips you into different uh, types of gaming, I guess, and different kind of control systems as you oh, go okay. in, but um, that actually sort of worked quite well once I got the hang of it. There's, um, like, the modes, one of them is kind of more of a Pac-Man-y kind of type thing, and I think that does disrupt the flow of play, because it's, you know, the rest are all about, you know, sort of movement, and it's more sort of side-scrolly, and then suddenly you're in this so, sort of stop area of... So is it like one one level is one unique style of play, or do you sw swap between no, them the two? so what it does is it kind of gradually, like, introduces other bits, so it's kind of like the worlds are bleeding into each other, you know, that oh, okay, kind of thing. Okay. And so when, um, so you, uh, 
at points there are different, like maybe bubbles of another world that you uh, use to different oh, okay. effect, and you know, so you can sort of double jump in one world, but you can't in another. And so, yeah, like when you're in the in the ninja world, you get to double jump, and then the ninja in, world, exactly. <laughs> but um, and then when you're in the platforming world, that doesn't quite work. So you sort of. Okay. Um, Maybe you'll be in the platformy world, and then you'll try and jump over an object. But at one point, like, um, or you'll you'll try and jump to another part of the world, but you'll have to time it so that a, a sliver of the ninja world is coming through at that point, so that you can hit that, do a double jump uh, in that okay. ninja world, uh, and then okay. flip back out into the platformy world. Like, it makes more sense when you're actually holding it and playing it. I was going to say, watching like, this sounds too complicated for me. Never mind actually <laughs> sitting down and playing so the thing. It was one of those things that I thought did work when I was when I had the hands-on. But when I was, you know, watching it, I was like, I'm not into it. I think it's one of those things where you do sort of need to yeah. sit down and play it. And, and then you'll sort of see whether it works for you or not. But I, like I did think It's a bit like or work. something like that then. Be like, oh, why would you play this? Is oh. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, like, it was pleasing when you could kind of get it work, you know, like actually sort of take advantage of, start to take yeah. advantage of the different bits of the world and stuff like that. So, yeah, like they're still sort of polishing it off and like implementing like checkpoints and stuff properly now. Yeah, but okay. um, yeah, like it, if you're here tomorrow, like maybe give it a go. I'll give it a go. I'll yeah. sneak over after I play Gang Base. So I'll <laughs> shuffle, shuffle over one and play it as well. Did either of you uh, play Orbitalis? Yes, it was really fun. Mm. Yeah, it's that was, that was just reminding me of it because it you look at other people playing it and you're like, it's just a thing where you go around in yeah. circles. It, it can't be that. But it makes immediate sense once you pick it up because yeah. this is the one where the guy's actually um, it's called Alan Zaccone. Yeah. yeah, good first name. Um, <laughs> he um, he's made his own really like grungy DIY controller out of a block of perspex. It's like a high school <laughs> technology type thing, awesome. um, and it's. So you kind of put your hand into it and turn it, mm. you know, like an early Wii shooter game where you had a bit where you had to like pull out a switch and turn it. That, that's actually one of these switches physically. So you can turn it left and right, and you can also push it in and out. And this controls the the thrust of the rocket that you send out. And the idea is to launch your rocket and get it to orbit around this celestial body for about 30 seconds um, it's just but which is really hard which is really, which is really hard yeah because I, I got a good I got a good like 90 seconds on it's it, and it I like, assume it's like a sun and a couple of planets or yeah. a planet and a couple of moons and there's, it's amazing how often you'll collide with something you just didn't see coming because you'll have your orbit changed by like, just moving a little too close to mm. one of the moons or something like that. I so guess what is it, it you get to control the like, launch trajectory? Yeah, you, you, yeah, you control you the, the angle of trajectory and, okay. the, and the thrust. But yeah, it is really hard. That's where the phrase, it's not rocket science, comes from. <laughs> this essentially is yeah. rocket science. <laughs> But, it's, but, the, but the custom controller is what makes it so fun. Mm. That's like, I think if you were just sitting there with like a mouse, it wouldn't be like mm. particularly yeah, entertaining. He is actually releasing it. He made it as an installation game yeah. originally. Um, but obviously, everyone else is going to play it on a mouse or possibly a controller. I'm not sure how. Unless he gets some and fantastic production line and spends yeah. the rest of his time. So <laughs> filing away at blocks of yeah. perspects for this game. Which, uh, yeah, I haven't tried it with the mouse. It might be fine, but the. The joy of it for me was using that controller. I mean, it, would, it would work. It would work. It mm. just wouldn't have quite the same appeal to it of just playing mm. with a funky controller. And it's got the way the launch button. Yeah, it really that, does that make you feel great. like you're like you're launching a nuke yeah. or something. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of like a little bit like a really simplified version of the Kerbal Space Program stuff when you're trying to get to a different mm. planet and you're waiting for the right time to sort out the trajectories, but it's just compressed into like a few seconds of game. Um, yeah. 
good. I hope it does well. Um, I hope I hope it's as good as the, on the mouse as it is on the controller, um, because I doubt you can make those and ship them to everyone. <laughs> you could probably do your own with a couple of like big bean oh, cans and some rubber I bands. I think you took it apart and there were rubber bands inside. So. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a real hack job. That's real <laughs> DIY. That's real indie gaming. Awesome. Well, I was actually talking to him about it, and the, the fascinating thing was he made the game and then he made the controller to play it. What? He, he didn't base. He did, yeah, he didn't, he didn't create it around this idea. He was yeah. just like, oh, you know, this would work really well if you could control it this way. And then she built the thing. Well, I suppose it's better than the alternative of making this really strange controller and going, what the hell am I going to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> I've got this weird-looking paperweight thing. Yeah, you can either g- give it, it give it to your granny, who'll just say it looks nice, even if she doesn't really understand, or I can probably make a video game control out of it. Yeah, why not? Seems like a good idea. <sighs> Did anyone go to any of the developer talks? No, because they're on YouTube, I think. And if they're not on YouTube, I'm going to be gutted. Yeah, they're, they're being streamed and recorded, I think, so... Uh, you know, you don't really want to waste too much convention time when you can just see them afterwards. Yeah. I went to Mike Biffle's one yesterday, but that's about it. Is it about volume? Yeah. Does it seem good? It seems interesting, yeah. it's. Um, uh, I think he's showing the same thing at GDC and Eurogamer, basically, and he showed like one new level here. But, uh, well, I, I don't know if he's talked about this before because I hadn't read the stories recently, but, um, you know, he's going to do to completely disconnect the story and the levels in that game. Like, um,. You'll be able to play through the story with all like the with all the um, narration over the top in the same way that Thomas was alone works mm-hmm. um, with any levels in any order. So oh. he's going to make you know, his own series as he uh, as he would in any other single player game. But if you want to replay it with all community made levels from a level editor, you still get the same story arc over the top of it, which is hmm. strange. Hmm. Um, How does that work? Um, yeah, well, it's uh, apparently the story, the narrative itself is disconnected enough from those actions that it'll work. And stuff like the original, the original version will just introduce. So why the have the narrative? Yeah, what's the what's mm. the point then? It's like so. So there's a bit of story, then like you do that, something. But is that something he addressed in the talk? Um, I, think I think he just likes writing stories. But <laughs> in the, um, it's uh, it, it, yeah, I think he feels that has its own merit and gives a framing device to it. it I think the idea is to make the story fresh again by how, because by um, being able to play through a narrative that you like it's kind of like, like the opposite of what Ken Levine was talking about with replayable narratives and that it's exactly the same narrative but you don't go through the same motions in gameplay terms um, I don't know it's, it's interesting um, it's an experiment and I think it, it's mm-hmm. going to have you can just play through the game normally and not yeah. have to bother with that. You can just ignore the story like most people <laughs> probably do in most games. Don't yeah. don't tell Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's like me in any game that involves checkpoints. I find myself just going, mm. okay, fine, yellow tri- triangle and I are going to be friends. Right, okay, what now? <laughs> there's a, there's a what now? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, um, I don't know, there's some interesting stuff going around like um, in the version he's going to put together it will like steadily introduce new mechanics and a classic kind of tutorial way but if you play it if you've just decided for the first time to play it on all random then obviously you wouldn't get that so what it's going to do is it's is when and if, if it realises that you haven't had the thing that makes you invisible I don't know if it's actually a thing that makes you invisible before and, you get, and you're getting it in this bit it will play the like bit of 
um, voiceover and interplay between the characters that explains what it is, mm. uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh, I'm just imagining Danny Wallace going, and it suddenly turned out that I have become invisible. <laughs> like, this doesn't really work. <laughs> uh, okay, no, I'll be, I'll be interested to see how he implements that. Or like, well, not how he implements it, but how yeah. how it yeah. translates or how it feels to actually play it. Like whether it means that things start to feel con- not consequential, or whether it means that it, it does have that rejuvenating effect. Yeah, no, I mean that's the danger of it, really, isn't it? Is that you've completely disconnected the gameplay and the narrative, so the emotions that you're going through feel a bit pointless. And mm. why don't I just play the game and then listen to volume the radio play later yeah, on? Yeah, it's, um, it's either going to be interesting... And Thomas can feel like that occasionally. Like, the, the last stages of Thomas involved, like, someone... to not spoil it. Um, someone that you knew... I haven't finished playing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> Spoilers, Thomas doesn't end up alone. <laughs> Um, basically, yeah. it involves. I suppose the was in the title. Yeah, Thomas was alone. It's, it's like one <laughs> massive hint. It involves. Well, you know, like as yeah. soon as you get like and meet the first one, you're like, oh, I'm yeah. not alone oh. anymore. Yeah. Well, I've completed the game. Well done, everyone. Bye. In fact, there's probably some line in the second level where it goes, oh, hey, I don't feel quite so lonely anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I felt I felt with the end of Thomas was alone. I was playing it. I was trying to get through the not very interesting, gimme, platformy, puzzly, but as quickly as possible just to, to get the next part of the story. And there's a, there's a part towards the final third especially where you feel like um, it's one of those classic moments where you know that by advancing the plot you're theoretically do, you're doing a bad thing but you're doing it to advance the plot. Because you can't do anything else. Yeah. But the thing is if, you, yeah, if you've sort of uncoupled them, consciously uncoupled them, there's a Gwyneth Paltrow oh. joke for um, <laughs> Is that what that thing was? Everyone keeps have, tweeting that. Uh, yeah, if, if you've uncoupled the story and the, and the, the, the game, um, then, like, part of me, just the fact that I would maybe know that is, you know, like, it's like when I mm. play maybe a... a game like Bejeweled or something while listening to a podcast or while, you know, mm. and, and in that arena, like, it provides a type of framing, but it's one that I can control and sort mm. of like, yeah. you know, it's it's whether that sort of mid-ground where I don't yeah. have that same control, but there is that similar disconnect. Because it, yeah. it sounds like it's going to make the story redundant. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the big question yeah. I have. I mean, or, you know, maybe it would just be, you know, if you, if you have, like, an office level mm. or something and then it's just a different office each time, you know, mm. like, maybe if you could yeah. well, sort by you're... type, then that, yeah. that would just be a kind of not... It's a substitute for mm. random generation. Mm. It would be a sort of deliberate level well, design I think thing. in this case... But then if, if somebody was mm. bad at designing, then, you know, you might just end up mm. with a, a heap of levels that aren't very good and maybe that would not be a great experience. But, I mean, you know... It, you get that with anything that people th- like user-generated content <laughs> not necessarily going to yeah. be great. I don't, yeah, I haven't had enough time with it. I don't know enough yeah. about the specifics of it to yeah. make judgments. But that, those are my concerns. Yeah. Hearing that. Well, the thing in uh, yeah, I mean, it's, the problem is, it, 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 I, I said to him that I guess in that case you've always the plot. Uh, whatever happens in the plot, whatever the conflict between the characters is, Robin has always got to have. This motivation to steal stuff because that's always what he's going to be doing. There's not going. There can't be a moment where it's like, oh no, I'm in danger. I've got to stop doing this. I've got to run away from a sheriff because that's not what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, I'll, I'll be interesting. I'm glad someone's experimenting with it. Um, no idea whether it'll work or not. Um, in terms of the community stuff, I think it's just going to be done like. Um, I didn't specifically ask, but I think it's just going to be 
similar to like Steam Workshop stuff and things like that. Okay. In that um, you know, you'll have to actively download something yourself rather than downloading a random batch of community levels. And they have like a collections thing on there, which could work quite well for this. It's just like here are the best. You know, different people can collect some of the best so community it's levels, and you can down- download a whole batch of them and then play the narrative game over the top of that. I don't know, it's interesting. Let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big experiment. I like it when people do big experiments. Let's, let's reconvene at the, at the yeah. release of the game. And, <laughs> and I think it's a relatively safe experiment because, as I said, he's, he's still going to, there's still going to be a hand-designed campaign all the way through that you can play all the way through, yeah. and then you'd ever have to... I, but I guess that could, it, it, that could still damage it if they're a little bit disconnected. Hmm. 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 Uh, the moral of the story is we need to wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They also said some interesting stuff about uh, the design of the game and how it sort of combines these sci-fi elements with medieval stuff, um, to, which is why it looks has that strange like use of geometric diamonds and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I really about that. Like, mm. the yes, I was I was listening to him talk about it, that, thinking, oh, this sounds exactly like well, this is exactly like Pip sort of thing. <laughs> medieval sci-fi is it like Highlander? Is that oh, kind of medieval sci-fi? The, um, the, when he released the character um, artwork and stuff like that, it reminded me more of, like, you know, the um, Deus Ex HR uh, uh, type stuff, okay. you know, the sort of the cyber monk kind mm. of aesthetic, um, or sort of, yeah, cyber yeah. renaissance kind of yeah. uh, outfits and things like that. Exactly. So, so in the, is it, yeah, exactly. So it's cyber medieval in the same way that that was cyber renaissance. So, yeah, like, um, yeah, I, Mm. Be interested to sort of see how it uh, how it develops. Um, I should see whether I can actually play a bit of it before mm. I offer my opinions yeah. further. <laughs> nah, nah, <laughs> we, we don't need to justify our opinions here. <laughs> anyway, um, we should probably wrap this up, I guess. And go mm. have some drinks with the RPS people. Abandon the cavern of, of echoes and and. So long, Jimmy Spices. <laughs> <laughs> our special fourth guest. <laughs> <laughs> Omnipresent but strangely silent. <laughs> yeah. oh, right, in that case, uh, shall we say goodbye to everyone? Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs>